Today, we continue with part two of the long journey home. If you remember about uh, two weeks ago, we started this. Since then, uh, a lot of things have happened. We've been to Lynch, we've been in the mountains, and, but it's good to be home. The long journey home part two is the heart of the matter. Everybody say the heart of the matter. Let me go with you, take you to 1 Kings 19 and 7. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, Get up and eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. Let's pray together. Father, we're thankful for your word that it's life. We ask God that we could hide your word in our heart, Lord, that we could experience that life and not sin against you. We give you the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. In Kings, where I read it's about Elijah. Elijah has experienced his greatest victory. He just defeated 450 prophets of Baal plus the prophets of the groves. He has turned Israel's heart back to God. But how many of you know that sometimes after your greatest victory comes your greatest challenge? Anybody ever experienced that where all of a sudden you've had a great victory and then after that you, you feel like, oh man, the wind got knocked out of your sails. And so that's where Elijah was. An angel spoke to him and told him, he said, you need to rise up and eat what I've prepared. He said, because this journey is going to be too great for you. So how many of you know that we need daily bread? Amen. If we're going to make the journey home, we need to be able to feed on him every day. So we paired this last time in our first illustration about the story of a girl that had lost her way in a storm. And how many of you know that you're not going to get through life without some storms? And sometimes those storms are where we end up losing our way. The girl was trying to find her way home, and she bumped into someone, and she asked for help. He, couldn't seem to help her, and the excuse he gave was he had, didn't have a brain. How many of you have ever met someone that you weren't sure whether or not? Well, never mind. But anyway, so what we determined is in the long journey home, one of the ways that you're going to, the only way you're going to be able to find your way home is to be able to transform your way of thinking. How many of you have ever had stinking thinking? So there's an old saying, if when you get stinking thinking, you need a checkup from the neck up. And so what we have to do, Paul tells us, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. In other words, what God does is he causes you to see things differently. He causes you to think differently. So today, we're going to talk about matters of the heart. Welcome this friend as he comes in. Okay, Scarecrow, we'll find him. Yeah, I, th I think we're, well, I think we're going go this way. I think. Hey, okay. you're well, trespassing, little girl. You and your straw-brained idiot need to leave. Well, that's not a very nice way to speak to my friend. Yeah, you, you sound like you don't have a heart at all. I no, can't okay. help it. I, I don't have a heart. Oh. Just an empty tin can. Oh. No heart at all? Well, well, why don't you come with us then? Be all right? 
Okay. Okay, let's go. I hope you find your way to a heart. So we've got people looking for their way home without a brain and without a heart. That's not going to be a whole lot of help for the little girl, is it? But we talk about matters of the heart. Look at Jeremiah 17 and 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Man, let me ask you a question. How many times have you had some heart problems? I'm not talking about in the physical, but I'm talking about in the spiritual. You know what I'm talking about? Where all of a sudden your heart gets so messed up. Let me ask, don't raise your hands on this. I just want to pose some questions to you. Have you ever said something you wished you hadn't said? Have you ever did something you wished you hadn't done? See, this is what the Scripture is talking about, that the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? Let me share this with you. God gave you feelings so you could experience life. He did not give you feelings to dictate to your life because your feelings are a mixed-up box of mess. You trust your feelings, and one day you'll look at someone and say, you're my best friend. The next day you'll say, I will knock you out. Because feelings fluctuate, they change so much. But how many of you know that God, the Bible says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we have problems right here. Everybody say, the guy I see in the mirror or in some of your cases, the girl, gives me the most problem. So if we can't trust our feelings, then what are we going to do? I mean, how, how many of you have been led astray by your feelings? Think about this. This is what, look at the psalmist in Psalms 139 and 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. What's David saying? He's saying, I got a problem in here. He said, and I need you to search it out. Search me, O God. How many of you have ever known that there was something wrong with you? But you couldn't fix yourself. So what David is saying is David, I've got, or David's saying, God, I've got something going on in here, but I can't fix it on my own. So I'm opening my heart to you, and I'm saying, search me and know my heart. He's, he's talking about, he, he's saying, I, I can't fix what's wrong. I need you to search my heart, and I need you to try me and know my thoughts. Everybody say, my thoughts. Now hear me, because wherever my heart is at, it's where my thoughts are going to be focused. Amen. I said, wherever my heart is at or where my thoughts are going to be focused. So David runs into trouble because he gets his focus off of God and he gets it on Bathsheba. Y'all ever been looking at the wrong thing? Let's talk about how many of you have ever been on a diet before? I've been on so many diets, I've lost count. And when you're on a diet, 
cake always pops up in your life. Which cake isn't a real big temptation to me, but that pie about did me in. So, you know, I'm, we're, we're at the Holiday Inn, not the Holiday Inn, we're at, we're at the Life Center, just like the Holiday Inn. We're at the Life Center for our fall festival. And there's chili out there, and there's soup out there, and there's hot dogs out there, and all the salads and all this stuff. And I was so proud of myself. I didn't eat any hot dogs. I didn't eat any bread. And I went through and got just a little bit of everybody's chili and everybody's soup. Somebody said, what are you doing? I said, I know I'm going to be asked, did you taste my chili? <laughs> I said, now, I don't know whose is whose, but I've tasted it all. And, and I, was, I, was, I was doing good. And then it appeared. A coconut cream pie. Out of the middle of nowhere. I hid it in the refrigerator so it wouldn't tempt me. And I was busy talking to everyone else, and I heard it calling my name. <laughs> you hear what I'm saying? You know where I'm going with this, right? That sometimes what happens are the things that we focus on keep drawing us back to it. So you've got to get your mind focused because wherever you're heart is at is where your mind's going to wind up and that's what gets us in trouble Amen. David found himself in a mess now I know we tried blame Bathsheba for it I mean is it possible that David could have walked back in the palace is it possible it's not like Bathsheba called him up on the phone there wasn't any hey just want to tell you I'm going to be on the roof at such and such time be there no same thing with Adam Adam says, the woman you gave me, it's always the lady's fault. You notice that? There used to be that song, hard-headed woman and a soft-hearted man been the cause of trouble ever since the world began. You never heard that gospel? No. <laughs> what I'm saying is this, is what happens is when we get our heart messed up, we start looking at people to blame it on. David's not blaming anybody. David has gone to God. David understands the problem I have is not with someone else. It's with me, and I need you. He's the one that makes a statement, search me, O God, and know my heart. When this happens with Bathsheba, he makes this declaration in Psalms 51 and 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Everybody say, I need to be cleaned up. How many of you have ever been out and about and got dirty? And you needed to be cleaned up. I used to work in a factory, man. I come out of that factory. I didn't wear a suit and tie to the factory. I climb out of them machines. I'd be covered with grease from the top of my head to my toes. And people say, well, well what'd you do? I, I cleaned up. Because my wife, wasn't she? I'd come home, honest goodness, I remember this, coming home, and I'd go to give her a hug. She said, you, you don't look like my man. You need to go clean up. I'd have to clean up. What is it about us and dirt that seems to draw us to it? I can tell you what there is about it. It's what we're made of. 
So see, God breathed into you, but he breathed into dust. And anytime dust gets stuck on itself, it's mud. So we have to not focus on our feelings because our feelings can't be trusted. We have to focus on God. Everybody say, focus on God. So David says, create within me a clean heart. Isn't there something special about feeling clean? I, was, I shared in the first service, I was in Mexico working, laying blocks. And, you know, it was hot, man. And I'd sweated my clothes through. And lunchtime came and I sat down in cool breeze and, you know, kicked back sipping a bottle of water. It might have been a Coke. And uh, got up, went back to work, worked a few more hours, came afternoon, and man, something started stinking <laughs> around that place. And I got to smelling it, and I thought, what is that? Man, it's just sour. It's just, it stinks so bad. And I kept, and all, I happened to turn around, I went like that, and I thought, oh, golly. You know, when you stink so bad that you can't stand yourself, you know you stink, right? That's where David's at. When David is called on his sin, David doesn't try and retaliate against the prophet or shut him up. He raises his hands to God and says, create within me a clean heart. God, I need you to take this out of my heart. I need to get things right with you. I don't like feeling what I'm feeling. I'm sorry I went that way. Can you get me back on course? He says, create within me a clean heart and renew a what? a right spirit in me. The word right there means faithful or loyal. So this is what David is saying. God, if you can give me a faithful spirit so I'm loyal to you, I'll never have to worry about my heart getting messed up again. I need you to rescue me. I need you to, I need you to give me some CPR. Christ provides redemption. Somebody shout yes. That's what Jesus did for us. He came to give us CPR to deal with our heart. If we're going to be honest with each other, there are times when we feel like we've experienced our hearts under attack, right? How many of you have ever heard of a heart attack? That's our heart under attack. Now, I want you to think about this because whatever happens in the natural world has a spiritual correlation. So a heart attack in the natural world is something that's gone wrong in your body that's causing your heart not to function the way it ought to, and it's trying to deprive you of a life-giving force and shut you completely down. In the spiritual sense... That's what happens. The devil tries to mess with our emotions and our feelings. Our heart comes under attack. It gets all twisted up and messed up so it's not able to function the way that God intended for it to function. Our focus is broken off of God, and now it's on everything else, and it is shutting us down from the inside out, trying to rob us of what God has promised for us. Heart attack. Psalms 34. You know, 
I, I mean, we could act like, and a lot of times we put on what I call fake smiles. You know, there's stuff going on in us, and we don't want everybody, anybody to know about it. And we say, hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm blessed of the Lord. Praise God. A couple things. One is you shouldn't ask somebody how they're doing unless you really want to know. And the other is if you're going through something, you need to share it. Share it with someone that you have confidence in, someone that has a relationship with God so they can help pray with you. Because if we don't, what happens is we shut down, we isolate ourselves, and our heart becomes damaged. Disappointed from rejection, and all of a sudden we can begin to feel heartless. You remember what the ten man said? I'm just an empty can. Have you ever felt empty before? Ever felt like you just couldn't make it, just couldn't do it? And then all of a sudden you, you're, you're standing all by yourself trying to navigate feelings that are coming in at you a thousand miles an hour, bombarding you, and sometimes literally causing us to go into a breakdown. Psalms 34 and 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Think about that. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. The devil puts you in that state, and he tries to make you feel like nobody cares. But here the word declares, God cares about you. He, he rescues the brokenhearted. He goes to those whose spirits are crushed. Do you know every psalm I read today was written by a man named David, a man that God declared was a man that was after his own heart. Here we are trying to navigate life by ourselves, trying to do it our own way, make it without him, be independent of everything. And here is a king that is declaring to you, I can't do this without him. I need him to search me. I need him to clean me. I need him to repair me. That's why David is a man that's after God's own heart. Not because David got it right. It's because David recognizes his need for God in his life, and he opens himself up to it. Turn around and look at your neighbor and say, you need God. Go on, look at him. Look him right in the eye. You need God. I mean, you need God in a bad way. You know it's true. Yeah, you need God in a good way. You need, you need, you need God. I mean, I've never seen anybody that needed God as much as you need God. <laughs> Isn't that odd? Because there's people walk around doing that all day long. They recognize your need for God, but they don't see their own need for God. <laughs> Can I tell you that we're all in the same boat, and we're not getting there without him? Somebody say, here I am, God. Let him touch your heart. I want you to listen to what David's son learned from watching his father. Proverbs 17 and 22. This young man was a byproduct of David's sin. 
and yet he learned something from his dad. How many of you can teach someone else on the basis of you've always done it right? I thought I saw someone throw their hand up. They were just scratching their head back there. <laughs> I would have to leave the pulpit because I, have, I haven't always done it right. But I know the one that always does it right. And I know the truth is that he wants to rescue us. He wants to help us. So here a son writes about his father David. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. Solomon's writing about his dad. Solomon has seen his dad when his dad's heart was merry, when his dad's heart was fixed on God. And he's saying, let me tell you something about my father. When my father's house was fixed, or when my father's heart was fixed on God, there wasn't a devil in hell he was afraid of. He would face down giants. He wasn't afraid of armies because he understood that greater was he that's in him than he that's in the world. But I've seen my daddy's heart when it was broken, and I've seen it sap his strength. I've seen it when he, when he sinned, when he messed up, and he would be broken and down. But I've watched God live him back up. I've watched him cry out to God and God answer his prayer. And can I tell you that no matter where you're at, no matter what you've done, there's a God that wants to pick you back up, that wants to restore you, that wants to give you hope, that wants to give you a warrior's heart so that the devil that tried to take you out, you can stand up and say, I am a child of God. Drop, strap on your sword. Draw the word of God and declare his goodness over not only your life but the lives of all those around you I've watched people go through battles spiritual battles and they hunker down I want to tell you in the natural world if I was getting whipped I was gonna make sure I got in a lick or two <laughs> I'm not just gonna sit back and take a beating uh, you, you, you may beat me down, but I promise you, I'm not the only one leaving there bruised. What are you saying? I'm saying I'm no match for the devil, but the devil's no match for my God. Uh, and that you need to understand that he said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. So as long as I let him do the fighting, I'm going to win every time. Somebody shout yes. David had learned something that we need to learn. David learned that the only way he was going to be an effective leader, the only way he was going to be able to make that long journey home was if he learned how to surrender his heart to God. We have to learn how to do the same thing. Now, I want you to hear me for just a moment. I want to talk to you about this because we've all learned how to surrender our hearts. But unfortunately, too many times we've surrendered our hearts to the wrong thing. We've surrendered our heart to controlling substances. 
We've surrendered our heart to hate, and that's as controlling as anything you're going to inject in your body. We've surrendered our heart to low self-esteem. Oh, God could never use me. that, That bugs me. Why? I tell people, when I find that out, I tell people, I said, listen to me. Look up here. This ain't about you. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, he said it's not about you. Amen. Go ahead. It's all right. I gave you permission. Tell him it's not about you. It's about him. And this is what you've got to understand. When you start saying that he can't use me, that's not self-humility. That's an insult to the power and the presence of God. God is well able to use you. He's more than, if God can use a rooster to talk to Peter and a donkey to talk to Balaam, somebody help me up in here. God can use me. God can use me. Oh, I may not be as eloquent as the rooster and I may not be as good looking as the donkey, but God can use me. Somebody say it. God can use me. But I have to surrender my heart to him. Jesus tells us how. Look at John 14 and 1. Jesus speaking, and he said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Everybody say troubled. The word troubled there means to stir up or agitate. How many of you have ever found your heart agitated? Somebody, is there somebody you know that gets on your last nerve? Just shout their name. No, don't do that. (laughs) Just, you know, somebody that, I mean, it's like, you know, something that folks do that agitates you. My wife, she, when we eat sometimes, I accidentally scrape my teeth across a fork. When I do that, she immediately responds. Not in a kind way. (laughs) Don't do that. What? This? (laughs) Don't do that. I don't don't like that. Okay, I'll try not to. (laughs) Sometimes we just know it agitates someone and we like to stir it up. They call those people agitators. (laughs) Turn around and look at your neighbor and say, Don't be an agitator. (laughs) Now, if you are an agitator, here's a line for you. Don't you understand that agitation is what makes the clothes become clean? (laughs) See, God uses things differently than we realize sometimes. And sometimes we're praying for the person that's doing the agitating and God's saying, I'm trying to work on you. (laughs) I I, I need you to let go of this. Don't let anything have that kind of power over you or that kind of control over you that it begins to rob you of your peace and it stirs you up and it gets you agitated. (laughs) Any of you been at the gas pump lately? Tuesday's coming. Don't get agitated. I heard somebody say, don't get agitated, get even. (laughs) Hear me. You trying to get even doesn't hurt the person you're mad at. 
it just hurts you. Hear what Jesus is saying. Don't let your heart be agitated and worked up. You believe in God. Believe in me. What's he saying? He said, I came to redeem you from the curse of the law. If you want to understand something about love, let me give you a snapshot of it. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. Do you think sin doesn't agitate God? Do you think sin doesn't upset God? But what God did is, did is he looked past our sin and he loved us. And he said, I'm going to do something for you that I've never done for another generation. I am going to send my son and my son is going to redeem you. So Jesus is saying, don't get agitated. I've already walked through this world and I've become an overcomer. I've got the victory. And because I've got the victory, you can have the victory too. So the next time you start to get agitated, just raise your hands and say thank you Lord I thank you for redeeming me I thank you for saving me I thank you for rescuing me I am redeemed by the blood of the lamb everybody say redeemed Jesus is saying to believe in him so the question comes why why should I believe he answers it in Matthew 6 and 21 for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We get that so misquoted. And if you misquote that, you change the entire meaning of it. I've heard people say, where your heart is, your treasure will be. That's not what the Scripture said. The Scripture said, where your treasure is, is where your heart will be. Let me explain that. God is saying, whatever you place the most value on, it's where you're going to find your heart. So if you value stuff instead of him, then your heart is going to be wrapped up in stuff. But if you have a value of him, wherever my treasure is, whatever I'm investing my time into, whatever I'm investing my finance into, can I tell you a secret? If I wasn't pastoring this church, I'd still be preaching the gospel. If I wasn't your pastor, I'd still be preaching. Why? Because I've got an investment in him, and he's got an investment in me, and I'm not letting go of it. And wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. I was praying this morning, and I thought, I started thinking about all the years that God has allowed me to be on the road and, and allowed me to minister. And I stopped and I just paused for a minute and I said, God, thank you. I said, that has been the most enjoyable part of my life, to be able to declare your word, to be able to tell people about you. I know what it's like to feel lost. I know what it's like to feel undone. And I know what it's like to feel the power of God come in and break every chain and knock down every stronghold. I'm not talking about a weak God or a figment of my imagination. I'm talking a God that's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all I ask or think. Get your heart in the right place. And the only way I can do that is by investing my time in him, my resources in him. People don't understand us a lot of times. They, you know, you spend your whole life wrapped up in church. 
No, I spend, we spend our whole life wrapped up in God. Church just happens to be a byproduct of that. Somebody said, I had a friend come to me. He goes, well, I don't have to go to church to live for God. I said, what? He said, I don't have to go to church to live for God. He said, I can do it by myself. I said, you mean to tell me that your relationship with God is so strong that you've got enough for your family? That's right. I've got enough. I don't need to try. I've got enough for my family. I said, you mean to tell me that you've got a relationship that's so strong with God that you've got enough for yourself, your family, and friends? That's right. I've got enough for my family, my friends, and for me. I said, you're the, the most selfish person I've ever met in my life. I said, you got a relationship with God like that, and you won't go to church and share it with anybody else? Come on, somebody, and hear what I'm saying. The Bible said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Look, the pandemic gave everybody an excuse to stay home. Some of them forgot the pandemic's over, and they had still hadn't made it back. Can I tell you, don't come to me talking to me about how you got enough and you can live it at home. Why don't you ask God where he wants you to be? Ask God what he wants from you. This isn't about me and my four and no more. This is about let your light so shine before men that they can see your good works and glorify him. <laughs> He said, this isn't about us. It's all about him. Your heart follows your treasure. Whatever you place high value in is where your heart is going to be. So give Jesus your heart, and he'll help you find your way home. There was a young boy once. Well, he wasn't a boy. He was a young man. Got a little bit too big for his britches. You ever met anybody like that? You know that. Goes up to his dad and says, hey, I don't want to wait until you kick the bucket. I want you to give me my inheritance now. I don't need you. I want to go do my own thing. Father understood you can't buy love. And so he just gave the boy his inheritance and let him go. Oh, he had a big time. He had friends coming out his ears until he ran out of money. And then he didn't have friends coming out of anywhere. He's dead broke, famine hit, and he's starving. And all of a sudden, the young man started thinking about what it was like back home. He said, you know, I know I didn't always see eye to eye with Dad, but I was never hungry. Matter of fact, I never lacked anything when I was in his house. He, he gave me everything, and I blew it. I mean, I wasted it. I, I can't believe he gave it to me, but to, for him to give it to me and then me misuse it and, and lose it. He, he could never want to even see my face again. I know he'll never call me son. Maybe, just maybe, he'd let me work for him. 
because servants at my father's house are treated better than I am. And he heads home, contemplating about how he'll say it. He knows the only pie he's getting ready to eat is humble pie. And he's more than willing to do it. But the boy gets the shock of his life. As he comes over the ridge and he sees home, he spots his dad sitting on the porch. And he sees him jump up. And he's running toward him. And, man, all kinds of things are going through his mind. Is he going to kick me off his property? Is he telling me never to come back here again? But when he comes, when he gets close to him, he sees that it's not a scowl on his face. It's running up here, Dave. It's not a scowl on his face that he sees, but he sees love in his father's eyes. And his father grabbed him up and begins to swing him around and say, welcome home, son. Welcome home. Welcome home. And he starts saying, but dad, I, I messed up. I, no, no, no. Say, hey, hey, go kill the fatted calf. Bring me a robe and a ring because my boy that was dead is alive again. He's come home. He's come home. His heart has been changed. Give him a big hand. Thank you. You're going to find your way home. You're going to have to get your heart cleaned. I send shirts to the cleaners on a regular basis more for you than for me after a while if I don't send those shirts to the cleaners you're going to quit hugging your pastor (laughs) you're going to be love you brother (laughs) see we all need cleansing And we need it on a regular basis, don't we? Jesus sat with men he'd trained for three and a half years. And he started washing their feet. No, no, you can't wash my feet, Lord. He said, you don't understand what I'm doing now, but you'll understand later. Peter said, no, Lord, you'll never wash my feet. He said, Peter, if I don't wash your feet then you're not going to have any part of me. And he looked at me and said, well, not my feet, but my hands and my head also. He said, Peter, that's not the problem. He said, you know, when you've bathed, you don't need to wash except your feet. Can I break down to you what Jesus was saying? Boys, these feet are getting ready to take you someplace you don't want to go. And I understand that. And I'm not going to be around when this happens to tell you this later. So I'm doing this now so you understand that before you sin against me, I have already forgiven you. I have washed your feet. Peter would be taken in a place, those feet would take him to a place of denial. 
he would begin to cry out, I don't know the man. He began to curse. I tell you, I don't know him. And when he heard that rooster crow, he ran away weeping bitterly. Jesus knew what he would do, and it was his way of letting him know, Peter, I know that this journey is going to become too much for you. So before you get there, I'm washing you now. I want you to know that I'll never never forget you. I'll never turn my back on you, but I'll always love you. So when the angel comes to announce that he's risen, he says, go tell my disciples and Peter, because Peter felt like he'd gone beyond the pale. He thought, I could never experience forgiveness now, but God knows the heart. Would you stand with me? We all need a checkup from time to time, don't we? My pastor used to say, if you want to find out how much of God you have, ask yourself how much you love your brother. And if you find yourself running a pint low, then go to God to get filled up. In the city of London, the center of London is known as the Charon Cross. Everything is measured from that distance, from that center point all around London. Everything is measured from the Charon Cross. A little boy happened on the streets of London and he was weeping and crying and a police officer walked up to him and said son what's wrong he said I'm lost I can't find my mom he said well where was your mom at well she was here just a minute ago we were in the marketplace but the market was so filled with people that somehow they got separated he said I don't know where my mom's at I'm lost the boy the, the officer said to the young man he said son what's your mother's name He said, Mommy. No, I mean, what's her name? Mommy. He didn't know. Well, what's your father's name? Daddy. Where does your father work? And the boy couldn't tell him. And and finally, the officer looked at the boy. He said, it's going to be okay. The kid's crying, man. He says, it's going to be okay. He said, just tell me where you live at. And the boy just broke into a fit of tears. And he said, I don't know. I don't know. I'm lost and I don't know how to get home. And he's just humble. He's just weeping and wailing and the officer's trying to figure out what to do and all of a sudden the young boy wiped his eyes and dried his tears and he looked up and he said mister mister he said if you can get me to the cross I can find my way home from there Uh, hear what I'm saying today Uh, get me to the cross Uh, at the cross at the cross where I first saw the light get me to the cross for God so loved the world that he gave I can find my way home from Calvary's cross because he's shining a light before me. If you're in here today 
Now, look, let me tell you something. If living for God was about coming to church and sitting on a pew, I would have never done it. Living for God had to be real to me or I wouldn't be here. And I want you to hear me. God unmistakably and undeniably showed himself real to me. Some things, if I were to share with you, you, wouldn't, you might not understand. Some might not believe. But you see, it wasn't, it, it wasn't my relationship with you that changed me. It was my relationship with him that changed me. And so what I'm sharing with you today is this, is no matter where you find yourself, no matter what you're going through, there's a God that is bigger than your situation, that's more powerful than your circumstance, and would march to hell and back to save you. How do you know that? Because he already did it. <laughs> he already did it. If you're in this place today and you don't know him, I want to invite you to come right now. Say, well, pastor, I hope I'm saved or I think I'm saved. If it's a hope so or a think so, it ain't so. God's not going to let something as serious as your salvation be given up to guesswork. You know you're saved. Does anybody in the house know they're saved today? I, I'm not thinking about it. I'm not, I know I'm saved. How can you know that? Because of his word. Not because of my feelings. Because sometimes I don't feel very saved. Sometimes, what did the Scripture say about the heart? It's deceitful. Any of you ever felt like, well, never mind. Have any of you ever felt like you weren't very saved some days? That doesn't change what he did. So the only thing that needs to change is your heart. Where your treasure is, is where your heart will be. I realize when I'm not feeling saved, it's because I've shifted my focus away from my treasure. My treasure is in Christ. If you're here today and you want to make him your treasure and you haven't done it, I'm going to open the altar right now for you to do it very quickly as they sing this song. I'm going to pause for just a moment. This is the way I feel. I know in a lot of time, places they say, okay, everybody bow your head and close your eyes. Now raise your hand. I, I've always struggled with that because I'm thinking, man, if you're embarrassed about coming up here and saying yes to Jesus in a room full of people that love you and that are cheering for you, how are you ever going to serve him out there? You, you got to get some boldness in you. Everybody say, get a backbone. Get, come on, do it. get a backbone. Stand straight. Debbie's always telling me, stand up straight. We need a backbone, not a wishbone. We need to know so and not think so. And you can know it today. They sing this song right now. If you're here and you're not 100% certain, I want you to be 100% certain before you leave. Sing it real quick. We're just going to hold for a moment.
why don't you do that and I run to the Father. My heart has been in your sights long before my first breath. Running into your arms is running to Surgeon. My soul needs a friend, so I run to the Father again and again. If you're in this place and you, and so I'm assuming everybody here has given their heart to God. Now, here's what I want to ask you How many of you want to do more for God than just sit on a pew? That's right. How many of you are ready to get the heart of a warrior to all of a sudden have God begin to use you? and give you boldness so that you're not afraid to speak about him, you're not afraid to yield to him. If you want God to use you, I want you to come to the front of this building right now, very quickly. I'm only gonna hold for a second. See, here's, here's the deal. See, I'd be running down here right now. Say, what are you talking about? I wasn't messing around with God when I gave my life to God. I didn't wanna just go to church. I wanted God to use me because I recognized what he had done for me. Has God done anything for you? Raise your hands if God's done something for you. Then, then I want you to hear me. When I lay hands on you, I'm coming into agreement that God is going to use you in a powerful way. Everybody say powerful. Now turn around and look at the person standing next to you and say, I am not a wimp. God has made me more than a conqueror. He's made me that, that there's something inside of me that's greater than what's inside the world. So if somebody says something mean to me, I'm not going to run in a corner and cry. If somebody says something that, that hurts my feelings, I'm going to smile and say, well, you know what? Jesus loves you, buddy, and I'm just praying for you. I'm not going to be intimidated. I'm not going to back down. I'm going to stand up and declare his goodness and his grace. Are you ready? Come on, give me a hand clap of praise in here. Step up here just a little bit. I need, I need some guys.
up high. I want you to look at me for just a second. In the past, your emotions have kind of been all over the place. Now, I don't know you, but he knows you. This is what I hear. Tell her to focus on me. The reason she's bouncing around is because she's losing focus. Are you ready? Stretch those hands and say, God, I'm focusing on you. And I, the other thing I want you to do is quit listening to everything you hear people say. It's confusing you. Stretch your hands up. The Bible talks about that if our heart condemns us not, then we have perfect peace toward God. We've got confidence. But it also says that even if our heart condemns us, God is bigger than our heart is. What's he saying? If there's something that I'm wrestling with inside and I can't get a grip on it, God is bigger than what I'm wrestling with. so good to me I cannot tell it all but I'm sure going to try to I'm going to try and tell it all as you stretch your hands to heaven God what God's done for you he's done for a reason everybody say I've got a voice <laughs> and I'm going to declare it
stretch your hands to heaven with me. Thank you. Heart. Man, can go in so many different directions. Pulled. Sometimes we're not sure of the direction we ought to go. What you have to understand is that He loves you like nobody else has ever loved you before. He has a purpose and a plan for your life. I have to learn how to surrender my heart to Him. As you raise your hands today, would you just say, God, I surrender to you. High as you can get them, just as high as you can. Father, I thank you. to the fire. 
you can look and say, what in the world is going on? You've heard me say this before. The Bible said that no man can see God and live. The idea that you could think God can touch you and nothing happen is really foreign to me. I don't understand that concept at all. And it may be because when I came into, you got to understand, for me to have even become a Christian, he was going to have to be real. He was going to have to be tangible for me. And so God makes himself that way for us. Now, David's getting ready to go in to service, and that's an honorable thing. He leaves tomorrow, so we're praying for him together today that God will use him there, that God will give him what he needs in his heart so that he's not influenced by everything around him in a negative fashion, but that he will be an influencer, that he will declare God's word. David said, thy word have I hid in my heart, so I won't sin against you. So today as we pray for you, David, stand here. Today as we pray for you, we're praying God's hand over you, his protection around you, but God will use you, that you will... Feel it come up inside of you that there'll be no fear, but there will be a confidence, not cockiness, but confidence in who God has made you to be and that he will use you in this hour. Church, would you stretch your hands toward him right now? Father,
Everybody say he's a big God. Look, if you've got to go, I understand, and, and, and you can go. But if you, if you want prayer, come up here. Stretch your hands to heaven. Hey, he's a big God, isn't he? You know, here's the deal is I only get one life here. That's right. It's all, all I get. You say, well, what are you saying that for? Because I, I want it to count for something. I, I, and I mean for God's goodness. And sometimes you've wondered, God, is this really what you've got for me? Is this really what you want? But isn't it odd how that God has always ordered your step? And that those times when you were unsure of things, that it was just like God caused things to shift and made it abundantly clear. That's the kind of God that he is. But there's something else that's coming up in you now. It's a, I, 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 I hesitate to call it a new season, but maybe an awakening, something inside of you that's beginning to come alive that God is going to use in ways that you haven't experienced before. Are you ready for that? Church, would you stretch your hands to heaven with me right now? Here's the deal is I've, I've learned not to try and figure God out. As a matter of fact, when God's telling me something, I've had to quit trying to figure out what God is saying and just say it because I don't want to get in the mix of it. But what, one of the things that I've noticed is this, is God always knows what he's talking about. He always knows. Church, you should just stretch your hands to heaven. My heart has been in your sights. It's a long journey home, but we'll never be alone. He's promised to give us whatever we need along the way. He transforms our mind. He transforms our heart. And he answers our prayer. I want to challenge you to this. The Bible said, try me. He just says, well, one scripture says, taste and see. My wife's always talking about how I try to get her to taste everything. When I taste something and it's good, I'm trying to get some people to taste it. I mean, I'm liable to just take my fork out of my plate and say, hey, taste this, man. This is good stuff. Why? Because if I'm enjoying it, I want you to experience it. I want you to taste and see. And it, I, I thought it was just so unique to God that he, said, he didn't say, get you a plate of this stuff. He said, taste, because he knew he'd have you with just a taste. <laughs> he knew once you tasted it, he'd have you. And so I encourage you to taste and see. You may say, Pastor, I don't understand all this stuff up here. Well, just taste and see. Just, just say, God, I, I'm just asking you to touch me. Come up, get prayed for. Say, well, I mean, I'm not going to do anything to you. I'm just saying, 
you've got to taste and see. God doesn't want us to be spectators. He wants us to be participators. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, I'm getting ready to participate. So at the close of this service today, everybody just raise your hands up like this. Go like this. It's all across the building. Just go up like this. You say, well, what's that mean? It means I give up. (laughs) Actually, this is a surrender. Do you know that the word praise in Hebrew means an extension of the forearm? So when I praise, when I say praise the Lord, it's just a part of praise. I just, it's like the trees, their branches grow up. They're praising God. The flower stretches up and blossoms. It's giving honor and praise to the Creator. So as you raise your hands right now, and just from a sincere place in your heart, you know, don't, don't try and say a proper prayer. Just talk to God from your heart. And as you talk to God, let Him speak to you. And just ask Him to take control of your heart and order your steps and cause your life to become a life that pleases and honors him would you do that with me right now all across this building father we love you we're grateful and thankful for the opportunity that you have given us to serve you there's no way i can ever repay that god i'm not worthy of the least of your mercies but i am grateful for them and i am thankful for them and so today we surrender we say here are our hearts come and take control of them claim them for yourself and order our steps we ask in jesus name amen come on give me a hand clap of praise in this place today we love you don't forget chapel christmas service i'll be back there in about 10 minutes love you all god bless you